This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn, Capital Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome. And you're listening to our latest episode or watching on YouTube uh, for the week of November 6, 2023. I'm here with my politics team colleagues, Avi Bajpai and Corey Dean. Uh, Corey is our higher ed reporter. So there's a fair amount of politics and higher ed crossover any given day, especially recently. So uh, the way I'm going to lead into that is with the <laughs> campaigns and appointments and Beth Wood, if that'll draw you all in to keep listening. So Beth Wood, of course, is the state auditor. She is a Democrat and she made a lot more headlines than her audits for what happened almost a year ago. Uh, where basically she uh, wrecked a state-owned car in downtown Raleigh. And that played out for, Avi, you covered a lot of that for weeks, months, for a while, until her court date. Yeah, a couple of months from late January until about late March. Um, That story kind of followed her week by week as uh, reporters kind of asked her to confirm what was going on. Uh, address the situation. She had issued some couple of statements, apologized for it, but more and more details came out. And then eventually she pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge um, and then tried to sort of put that behind her. She said she was going to run for re-election after all this came out. Um, and before, which yes. I mean, I guess she was kind of a given. The thing about Wood is that she really has a lot of bipartisan support. You yeah. know, Republicans and Democrats still showed support saying they would let the court process play out and then it did and time passed and things were pretty quiet usual yeah. churning out of like regular audits and then at the legislature this week which you all who are listening who work at the legislature know there wasn't a whole lot going on but a little bit even though um session for all intents and purposes is is finished and at the end of a committee meeting um our colleague luciana perez Uribe was there and would announced, oh, by the way, I'm not running again. Yeah. So do you- Pretty, pretty yeah, surprising. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's been in that office since 2009 um, under three governors. She, like you were saying, she's highly regarded by everyone, basically in state government, um, all the different, you know, council of state members, legislative leaders. So pretty big uh, announcement to have her saying she's not gonna run for re-election re- and then having her race which I was looking at, um, you know, she she had fairly uh, comfortable victories earlier, but the last two cycles, it was kind of competitive. So that's another thing. It's going to be yet another uh, competitive open race. An auditor, not everyone pays attention, but it certainly, you know, gets some high profile candidates, which takes us to what higher ed and UNC might have to do with the auditor's race, Corey. Yeah, so there are a few different candidates, Republican candidates who have announced that they're running. Um, But one is Dave Bullock, who um, is a member of the UNC Chapel Hill Board of Trustees. Um, He's been on that board for several years. He was its chair for two years until just a couple months ago um, when there was a a turnover in leadership. so yeah, interesting the the politics and higher ed 
crossover just keeps on churning. You know? Now, this is an election, not an appointment, but there is a fair amount of appointment changes lately. What are some of the highlights that people should know about what's been going on? Yeah, so um, earlier in the legislative session, there had been the, the usual big appointments bill, um, and that included appointments to boards of trustees, um, and they had done the board of governors appointments even earlier in the session, actually pretty early on. Um, but because of some bills, some, you know, I think it's Senate Bill 512, right. which you've covered and I've covered, um, and then some additional appointments in the budget, I believe. There were there was another appointments bill that came out, um, included uh, four new appointments to the UNC Chapel Hill and NC State University boards. Those will be the only two universities in the UNC system to have uh, 15 members. The others have 13. Um, and it also included... Um, an interesting pick for a special superior court judge, um, also related to UNC, that Clayton Summers, who used to be a vice chancellor and now has an administrative position in athletics at UNC, will be a um, special superior court judge. And he was part of the, I would say, controversial deal to settle over um, the Silent Sam Confederate Monument at UNC a few years ago. So. Lots again, but that higher ed politics uh, crossover. Do we sure. know where Silent Sam is now? What did they end up doing? I think I'm not sure. I feel like somebody found it in storage, and then it's probably still sitting there. Yeah, I'm not sure where it is. Um, yeah, the deal would have been to give it to the Sons of Confederate Veterans, but that mm -hmm. deal was, uh, and to give that group two and a half million dollars to care and preserve it, um, but that was overturned by a judge. So. I'm not actually sure what happened to it after that. I feel like the trail's gone cold on a lot of the Confederate statues as far as yeah. where they've been. And um, something that, I, you know, I bring this up a lot, and I am again, is that um, about the time of the Confederate statues being torn down by protesters or the rest of them removed by the government in the state capitol here in Raleigh, there were plans for the long-stalled African-Americans monument on the state capitol grounds. And that was in the budget of 2019 that Cooper vetoed, never became law. And then it came up at various times, had been on a long pause after the uh, Confederate statues came down, but was revived again in the Senate budget this year, but the House didn't want it. So yeah. that, um, that- That story continues. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. I, I should also mention that Clayton Summers uh, was uh, Tim Moore's former chief of staff, so. Uh, even before he was at UNC, he had been involved on the political side. And now, you know, it's just. And there's another name on Senate Republicans that got a recent appointment, right? Blaine. Oh, Jim yes. Blaine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people yes. to keep track of. Yeah, um, there's a lot. Um, yes, Jim Blaine, um, Phil Berger's former, former chief of staff, is now on the UNC Chapel Hill Board of Trustees. So, yeah, lots of crossover there. Yeah, for sure. Um, the SB 12 that you mentioned was in court this week, um, and like part of it was uh, upheld, part of it is is not. So we'll see how how that plays out. As really everything ends up in court lately. Um, I wrote a story this week as we record this toward the end of the week. If you haven't read it yet, I went through all of the Governor Cooper vetoes and all of the override votes, and there were 19, except there were two. Uh, more bills that are on his desk from the end of, we all know for listeners, of course, know this detail, the legislative session, long session ended, but didn't really end because there's just going to be these one day sessions yeah. and basically until the spring. So it's not officially adjourned, but it's basically adjourned. 
Um, but you know, it may not. So that's kind of, that's just North Carolina government. You really can't totally explain it. But anyway, of the 19, of course, the biggest one was SB 20, the abortion restrictions bill, the pistol purchase permit repeal was the first override. Which was everything off. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. Laid bare some of the, some of the tensions uh, at play with Republicans keep trying to keep their caucus united and trying to uh, pull over a couple of Democrats and then you know, some of the tensions within the Democratic Party, that kind of was a pretty monumental uh, part of part of session late, late March, early April, right around the time when Republicans officially gained their supermajority with Representative Cotham switching parties. So, yeah. And then um, you, you mentioned monumental, so I'll just props yeah. for the reference <laughs> sure. of monumental. We were sure. just talking about, yeah. about monuments. Um, so, and then the third one was um, how to talk about race at work and state government. Yeah. And that uh, was also a um, pretty major, major issue, ongoing issue um, here, of course, everywhere. And then a whole bunch of other ones. So um, we were started off talking about council of state and state auditor. We're going to take a break in a second. When we come back, we'll talk about what we know about the other council of state positions and what's going to be vacant, what it might look like and the changes. And then we're also going to talk about HBCU's funding and then our picks for Headliner of the Week. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Don Vaughn here with Corey Dean, Navi Bajpai. We're talking a lot about council state races and appointments and higher ed crossover and statues and everything else at the first part of the show. And then now that we're back, I want to talk about HBCUs and something that we were mentioning the Capitol grounds a minute ago. Like it was there was a news conference on some on this topic, and you all have done more reporting. So what's going on? Yeah. So um, this specific issue um, regarding HBCU funding kicked off um, at least a month ago, maybe even a couple months ago now, with um, the U.S. Department of Education, and I believe the the U.S. Agriculture. Yeah, agriculture. Yeah. Um, sending letters to the governors of about 15, 16 states, um, including Roy Cooper, North Carolina, about specifically inequitable funding between land-grant universities in the state. So if you think about land-grants here in North Carolina, that's NC State. It was the first one. But then um, NCA&T was the second one. And and those second group of land-grant HBCUs were established because the first group didn't. You know, they seg- they were excluded. Yeah, excluded they were segregated states, yeah. at the beginning. Um, anyway, so these letters talk about the inequitable levels of funding between those those two groups of um, land grant universities, and they found that in North Carolina, um, NCA and T has been funded at a deficit of two billion dollars over the past, I think it's thirty years. Um, so I think this is kind of an ongoing conversation when you think about HBCUs um, in North Carolina and everywhere. But, um, you know, specifically right now with these letters, the spotlight is on A&T, although there are several others in the state. Um, 
So, and Avi, you, you covered a, a press event yeah. where they talked more about it. So. Yeah, so the letters to Cooper and all the other governors was late September, I think. And then this past week, uh, we had a press conference here in front of the state capitol. Um, Representative Zach Hawkins, who's a Democrat from Durham, and then a, a group of uh, attorneys who said that they were um, hired to represent uh, students or uh, and or alumni of uh, public HBCUs in and the state. Hawkins represents Durham, where you know, major HBCU and C Central yeah. University is located. Yeah. So um, they held a press conference. Basically, they're kind of ramping up the pressure on 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 the state, primarily on on Governor Cooper right now. Um, they did talk about how eventually all roads kind of lead to the legislature because that's that's you know who writes the budget. That's who decides mm-hmm. funding levels. Um, this is this is a question about how much money the state allocates to these HBCUs. But basically, uh, yeah, you have sort of pressure ramping up from these attorneys. They, they're basically they, you know, send a letter of their own to uh, Cooper and said that they wanted to uh, wanted him to basically seriously address this issue, do a review of past funding levels to see uh, to kind of confirm that there's been this uh, underfunding that's been happening and commit to, you know, taking some serious steps towards at some point in the future. Uh, and this is what they were talking about during the press conference. It might, you know, we just wrapped up a session. We just wrapped up the budget. So um, might have to be, you know, short session at this point at, at the soonest. Um, but kind of giving him like a, a bit of a bit of a timeline saying, uh, you know, they wanted a response from him, from the governor within 10 days, uh, which is coming up uh, just around this this weekend right now, um, saying, you know, they're prepared to file a lawsuit. Um, and some of those attorneys have filed uh, a lawsuit's already been filed in Georgia. So this is something that is, is uh, kind of happening all across the country right now. One thing that happened this legislative legislative session is they launched an HPCU's caucus between you know both parties and both chambers. Yeah. We'll see if they advance anything um, next session. Um, I know one of the I remember when they started that caucus. One was. Uh, John Hardister, who was the House Majority Whip, and he stepped down from the whip position because a lot of his time is spent running for um, a labor commissioner. And as we mentioned at the beginning about auditor and the things changing at Council of State, Council of State as a phrase is something that in North Carolina, I mean, if you're in politics, you know the phrase. Other people are like, what? I've talked to uh uh, state government reporters in other states and said, oh, yeah, with the Council of State. And they're like, that sounds like it's something from like DC Comics <laughs> or Marvel, like where they all. And I'm like, well, they do meet at like a large table and talk about, I mean, government. But yeah. anyway, so Steve, the big recent news is Agriculture Commissioner Steve Troxler announced publicly that he's running for reelection. This is a little more significant with Troxler because besides his very distinct voice and association <laughs> with the state fair <clears throat> and tractors, is that, you know, there were some like rumored rumblings that maybe he had thought about governor or something else. I wasn't sure if he was going to run or not. But anyway, he's he's running again. But big changes with um, we I mentioned Hardister is running for labor. Uh, the labor commissioner, Josh Dobson, is not running. Of course, Cooper can't run for governor again because of term limits. Lieutenant Governor Robinson is running for governor. Um, the attorney general sign is running for governor. Of, it's a lot of open competitive races. The treasurer Folwell is running for governor. So yeah. everybody wants to be governor yeah. or they're running for something else. And then, of course, for attorney general, it's Jeff Jackson, who was in the state Senate. And then this one term in 
in Congress and then Dan, Dan Bishop, Bishop who, yeah. so I guess people don't like Congress and want to be on Council of State instead. So, wow. I mean, it's it the hottest ticket, I guess. I guess so. Council of State. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get to our picks for our headliner of the week. Avi's yours. This has a little bit to do with yeah. what we're uh, talking about. So who or what is your headliner with, this uh, week? With Representative Hardister. Um, he uh, tweeted this past week about how uh, he had an encounter with a wild turkey uh, specifically the windshield of his car. Not the liquor. No. 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 <laughs> with with the bird. Um, uh, you know, going down the highway and his windshield was completely, completely wrecked. Um, uh, and, our, you know. R.I.P. the turkey. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's my headliner because I did not know until this past week that turkeys can fly at speeds of up to 60 miles an yeah. hour. And that for people in the triad area, this is like a well-known yeah. thing to watch out for. That's Wait, WKRP in Cincinnati taught me that turkeys cannot fly. That's yeah. what I thought, too. No, so. I, I one time when I was a kid was, uh, yeah, we had a turkey hit our car. It was not as much damage as happened to Hardisters, but I mean, it, I, I it can happen. Pretty two fundamental new things that turkeys do actually fly. And yeah. that they fly pretty fast. So. Yeah. Uh, watch out. But you can't, um, for listeners who have seen WKRP in Cincinnati, there's this, like the best known episode was um, the radio station director, like mm. wanting to give turkeys out and like toss them out of an airplane. So they definitely yeah. can't land from 10,000 feet. Yeah. They can't, yeah. They can't skydive. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 You know, also this was a fictional radio show. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure uh, our listeners want to, you know, tell us all your, um, Turkey information. We could ask uh, Jimmy Dixon, the representative who's a turkey farmer. I think he's yeah. one of the few farmers Pro in the legislature. Need a podcast episode dedicated solely to that. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe Thanksgiving's coming up. All right, Corey, <laughs> what's uh, who are, what is your headliner? Uh, my headliner, very creative, is the cold weather that we're experiencing. I think mm. the high, I'm wearing a sweater. I so. am wearing a sweater. This is yeah, my mock neck turtleneck season is here. So I love the cold weather. I'm very I love North Carolina, but some of these summers are brutal. So I'm very excited to be able to bundle up and layer and get my puffer jacket out. All right. My headliner is also seasonal. It's basketball season, which is starting up college basketball season. I watched on TV the exhibition game between Duke and UNC Pembroke. And I'm just excited for all things basketball, too. So yep. go heels. Um, go Duke and also Virginia Tech. And since we're talking about, you know, Thanksgiving and turkeys, our mascot was originally the Fighting Gobblers and also, I believe, a land-grant university. So just wanted yeah. to, to plug that. So, Avi, this is your opportunity to plug um, G-Dub where you went. I, I'll refrain. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm Don Vaughn with Avi Bosch by Corey Dean. For the News and Observer, we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.